morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us on this Monday. Andrew Cashflow, the Cashflow King, is here. And we got Johnny Crypto joining us any day now, so he'll be joining us. I am very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the financial shift of our lifetime is taking place before our eyes. With the Federal Reserve set to launch their FedNow system this July, bringing instant payments to institutions and also taking one large step towards CBDCs. Ripple, Stellar, and IOTA could all be working with SWIFT under new ISO regulation, as Ethereum is expecting its Chappella upgrade this week, unlocking millions in staked Ethereum. Kevin O'Leary is warning investors that Binance has the same risks as FTX. And with BRIC Nation's quickly suppressing trade of the U.S. dollar worldwide, we break down the details, showing our community how this system was built to collapse and give birth to the digital age. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Super G, first of all, happy Easter. I hope you had a great day with your friends and family. But thanks again for making time for us this morning. And how are you feeling, my friend? Um, I'm feeling outstanding. Uh, you know, I, I missed you guys uh, last week. And so hopefully learn to freeze. Can you abs? Yeah, Gonzo, we're going to come right back to you, Brooks. We're getting some tech issues. I'm kicking it to Andrew Cashville this morning. Andrew, how you feeling, my friend? And thank you for making time for us. How was your weekend? Did you purchase another hot tub or what's going on? <laughs> Actually, it was a very nice Eastern weekend, you know. Always great breakfast. I had. We also have second Eastern day in the Netherlands. So actually today is also a public holiday. But you know what? I'm preparing. I'm packing my suitcase, preparing to come to the 3T Academy for the 3T uh, Freedom Conference uh, this week. So uh, we'll travel uh, actually tomorrow morning. Awesome, Andrew. So we know where to find you this week because we will all be in Arizona, guys. And while we get this episode started, we got 195 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. Uh, the Bitcoin fear and greed index is in is sitting at a 62 this morning in greed. And when we look at some of the daily movers, it is green across the board. We got some big daily movers as KSS is up 10% and Render up about 6% on the day. When we check out the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.18 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 20,400. Ethereum, 1860. XRP is 50 cents flat. Cardano is 38. And let's scroll down to Stellar sitting at 10 and Quant Network sitting at 121 this morning. And Gonzo, we're going to get this show started and dive right into our first article as that sh- the Chappelle upgrade or Chappella upgrade, I believe it's called, is set to take place on April 12th. And everyone's anticipating a massive dump in the Ethereum price. So before we get into the article, maybe you can break some details down. What are you anticipating on this Ethereum upgrade? Yeah, you know, Abs, I, I don't know so much about some big dump. You know, at the end of the day, it could end up being like a, a kind of nothing burger. You have 1.1 million uh, ETH that are staked, right? A lot of people are upside down. So, you know, some of the thoughts are like, you know, why would they sell at a loss, right? Uh, but not just that, but like Coinbase has already kind of tweeted out saying that um, there could be some issues as far as they're anticipating high demand. And so, 
because of that, it could be weeks or they even said months in the tweet where there could be a delay. Lido, which is a decentralized uh, entity that has like, I think a third of all this uh, staked ETH in it. They're also kind of doing some kind of either upgrade or some kind of code thing that also said there might be some issues with the unstaking as far as um, causing, causing a time delay. So when you add all these things together, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a little bit of, of price volatility, but nothing major. At the end of the day, have a plan. If we get a major price correction, then that's just for me an opportunity to dollar cost average. And if nothing happens and we continue to wait to see what happens, because, you know, as Ethereum goes into its automatic rally, I'm looking at 2000 and above, maybe 2300. That's really interesting, Gonzo. I'm going to break down a couple of details. Let, uh, let me say something about it. Sure. So, you know, I, I like to, to do the, the, the other way around for, for, for this, uh, this argument. Because you can now also unstake, it is also very attractive for people to stake their Ethereum. You know why? Because they know I can take it out anytime I want. You know, and we should not we should not only think about the negative aspects and uh, it will drop. No, I think it will balance. At least for me, it would be a reason when Chapella is uh, is up and running to stake my ETH, and 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 certainly not to to take it out and to sell it because yeah, next to that, most of the people are uh, are in negative now. But uh, that that's my uh, yeah. My, my view on the, on the on this point. It's brilliant, Andrew. And I'm going to build off that point right here. As the upcoming Ethereum upgrade called Chappella is scheduled to take place on April 12th, and there have been many suggestions about this update that will enable validators to withdraw their staked Ethereum and how that could negatively impact the Ethereum price. But Andrew, you make a great point. Investors looking to have a liquid asset and being able to earn on their Ethereum while also pulling that out at will, I think it's a great opportunity for many of the Ethereum investors out there. And this report seems to agree with you as the company predicts there will not be a significant selling pressure because of the unstaked Ethereum. As 9.4 million Ethereum, the equivalent of 52% total, is sitting at a loss in the market right now. And so the point this article is trying to make, Andrew, is that why would anyone take profit on an investment they're losing on right now? And I think I'd just like for you to close us out here. What are you anticipating with this upgrade? And is this actually an incentive for investors? I know you just highlighted that. Yeah, you know, what, what I think, um, also don't bet on one horse in this race. I think it's very positive that the, that the Chappella upgrade will be, will be up and running and that you can stake and unstake whatever you want. However, it's still, yeah, still in, in, a lot of, in a little bit of experimental phase. I would say also focus on other blockchains. For example, Solana. Even Solana, with their, they, they, they now with, uh, with active addresses, they are now more active than on the, on the Ethereum blockchain. And why is that? Because Ethereum also goes uh, with, 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 yeah, more. They have scalability issues. So I would say, you know, you can focus on Ethereum and on, on staking, but also have a look, for example, at Solana. You know, many people declared Solana dead, and I'm no, no, I'm not a financial advisor, but I also see the advantages. You can very easy stake also Solana in the in the Atomic Wallet, in the in the in the Exodus Wallet. So take a look at that and and diversify your eggs over several baskets and and make yeah multiple sources of income. 
Thank yeah. you, Andrew Cashflow. And we got 272 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to dive into some of our most important videos for today. As the leader of the European Central Bank's Christine Lagarde is now promoting a central bank digital currency, but at least she's exposing the game for our listeners. We're going to break this one-minute clip down. Here we go. Everything is going digital. People are clearly ex expressing a preference for it. And there is no reason why we as a central bank uh, should not be exploring also the reason why uh, digital cash can be uh, of good use. And uh, as my colleague and friend Francois calls it, he says it's cash plus because it is digital. Mm. Now, it is intended to be safe. It is intended to be sovereign. Uh, and it is intended to be available to all anywhere anytime and at the cheapest possible cost, possibly at no cost for the most basic functions, possibly at no cost for the- And Gonzo, we know what we know why Crypto Erie slowed down that video. And I want to remind our listeners this Wednesday, we are going to be having Crypto Erie as our special guest. We're diving into all the XRP topics that we're talking about today. But before I get your response, Gonzo, one more 15 second clip of what's really taking place on a CBDC, moving us away from cash and into a currency that they can monetize. Is it going to be as private as cash? No. So a digital currency will never be as anonymous and as protecting of privacy in many respects uh, as cash. Gonzo, let me tell you right now, how are they going to incentivize people to use this new currency if it's taking away their freedoms before our eyes? Well, ECB, the, the chief leader here of the European Central Bank's just broke it down for us. Not only are they going to tell people that cash is bad, in France this week, they outlawed all cash transactions over $1,000. And we broke it down a couple of months ago. Germany did the same thing, outlawing all cash transactions over $10,000. And I, Sorry, Gonzo, I know I'm throwing a lot at you here, but before I get a response, there was an article I saw this morning that opened my eyes to how quickly things could quickly be moving. And Citibank came out and said that $5 trillion worth of central bank digital currencies will be circulating in the economy in the next seven years. So when you're talking about these videos and how important they are, this is how quickly things are moving. Right now, there is $0 in this market. There is not $1 in a central bank digital currency. They're saying $5 trillion worth of liquidity is going to come in. And the central banks, they're incentivized to allow this new technology. We just kind of broke it down. So Gonzo, I'd love to hear what sticks out to you. And how do you feel about $5 trillion worth of CBDCs in only the next seven years? Yeah, so you, they're already showing you uh, the playbook and what they're going to do, right? You're going to see more and more countries banning cash until it gets completely eradicated. Um, and then how they transition people over is with the central bank digital currency is by giving you the illusion of more value, right? So they could say, hey, look, instead of having a $100 value, we're going to give you 150 value of our CBDC, right? And, and people that are... Uh, I guess the sheep or people that are asleep, they're going to take that, right? They're going to look at that and go, oh, hell yeah. I'd rather have $150 than $100. And then they'll, they'll, you know, when they first roll it out, they'll let them use it in whatever they want to buy. But then we all know where that kind of leads down to, right? Where then all of a sudden the control comes in and then all of a sudden they're putting restrictions on where you can spend your money, when you can spend your money, if maybe you vote a certain way, if you tweet something, if you go against the government you go against and say something negative against the president now all of a sudden they're shutting down your account or they're shutting down your money uh and and again you know when we had quincy on here 
uh, you know, we talked about this where the technology itself isn't evil. It's what people do with it. And unfortunately, our government has shown us time and time again that they're going to overreach, right? And that they're going to do things that they're not supposed to be doing. Andrew, I'd love to get some thoughts from you as well. With $5 trillion worth of central bank digital currencies coming into this market, it reminds me of an article that Citibank put out just two weeks ago. They said the greatest catalyst for blockchain adoption is going to be central bank digital currencies. And here they are doubling down on that take, stating another $5 trillion in CBDCs are set to come into this market. We're going to break down a video later in the episode explaining exactly how this could affect Bitcoin and the fact that every time we get a halving with Bitcoin, that leads us to about 500 days of bullish price action. But while we're on this topic here, Andrew, I'd love to get your take. Central bank digital currencies are inevitable, but do they need to take away our freedom? Yes, if I would be from the government and the, and the central banks, yes, I would love to take away your freedom and to, to sell it in, 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 in a way that it is, uh, yeah, that it is good for you. And, and, you know, and now I think more and more people are going to understand the balance that the government and the central banks will say, we will give you safety and you give us a little bit of your freedom, you know, and that will be a balance. And I'm wondering when the majority of the people wake up and they say, hey, wait a minute, you know, 30, maybe, maybe 20, 30 years ago, I, I was free as everywhere. And now. And now I only have to, to give freedom to the government. I, 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 yeah, no. And I think that will be a lot of tension in, in the world. And, and um, yeah, you know, and that CDBCs are inevitable. I, I agree with that. But I think, I think Golden said it, that, uh, you know, there is, there is also a value about what you can do with your CDBC. So I, I think as soon as the CDBC will be, yeah, get more, more presence, also, alternative payment systems will get present so that you can buy stuff that, that you want to buy. And I think there will be there will be at least two separate separate payment systems. And, and, and there, there is enough, yeah, you know, else I, I talk too long, but there is enough to say that you always see that there are uh, when something is not good, always a different route will 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 rise. So that you can make make a yeah uh, a U-turn around something that you don't want, and people are yeah I think people are designed to be creative and to find things that they don't want, and and of course a lot of people are like sheep and and, and walking behind each other, but I think more and more people wake up. You know I think the people that are listening here every day, day in day out to this show, they are they are waking up and they're understanding what what's happening so you know let's do the, the stuff together and be aware and and, and yeah and, and and be aware what what what's happening and 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 keep your eyes open about alternatives because if you focus on the negatives negatives will come to you if you focus on the positive stuff and and the opportunities i think the future will give an enormous amount of opportunities to us, not only with CDBCs, but but of course also with other payment systems, which of course can be uh, a crypto. But I can also imagine other payment systems, alternative payment systems, like you know what we did in the past. You give me a goat, and and, and I'll give you a, 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 a hundred x. Or it, it's maybe simple, 
but that kind of stuff will will uh, will, will, will come back come back again. Well, Andrew, we love talking facts on this channel, and we're going to talk facts in the, through our next article. As right now, Elizabeth Warren is leading an anti-crypto campaign across America. But in my opinion, that's not the best way to get votes. But guys, we got 331 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And before we get into our video explaining how central bank digital currencies are inevitable and why Elizabeth Warren is leading an anti-crypto campaign across America, I'd love to address this question right here. Mark Gutierrez comments and said, we're rooting for Ripple to win, but we're against the CBDC. That's like an oxymoron. In a lot of ways, I completely agree. And an article that we're going to get into later today doubles down on the fact that Ripple is built for central bank digital currencies. One of our listeners, Node Army, commented, I'm okay with CBDCs as long as they don't affect my crypto investment. My personal opinion is CBDCs are going to be terrible for the masses, but great for crypto investors like us who are slightly ahead of the game because they're going to be using many of the blockchains that we're invested in to build these smart contracts and benefit off this technology. But Gonzo, I do want to play a great video from one of our American politicians, Ted Cruz, explaining exactly why United States politicians are outlawing Bitcoin while promoting central bank digital currencies. Stand. This administration, I believe, is going to go after you and is going to try to destroy you. And by the way, that's a pattern of authoritarians. China, communist China, outlawed Bitcoin for the exact same reason. Why does Elizabeth Warren hate Bitcoin? For the same reason that she and China hates Bitcoin, because neither one of them can control it. And, and, and the theme through all of this is, is the power of freedom to be not subject to the arbitrary whims of those in government. And the example that I always use, Gonzo, was the crisis that we went through in 2020 or the pandemic, as many like to call it. What was considered misinformation at the time later turned out to be truth. And at that time, they were shutting down social medias. Well, if we had given them the control, I guarantee they would have shut down bank accounts and they would have halted CBDC coverage for many of those people that were spreading, quote unquote, misinformation. So when you talk about the damages of a CBDC, that's the first one that comes to mind. I'd love to hear what you think about Ted Cruz's statements and why he believes they're outlawing Bitcoin while promoting a CBDC. Yeah, I think he's 100% spot on, right? Like we know that after the 2008 financial collapse, Satoshi Nakamoto or the pseudonym Satoshi, why he created Bitcoin, right? It was supposed to be, if you read the right paper, it was supposed to be a payment system, a pay-to-peer. It ended up becoming something different, right? We know that it's not very efficient. That's why it has the Lightning Network. Uh, when it comes to payments, it became more of a store of value. But that's why we have other cryptocurrencies, right, that do that a lot better, right? And, um, you know, like with XRP, whatever you believe in, right, uh, or, or whatever, you know, you know, we love XRP as a payment system, XLM, right? There's going to be all kinds of them. But um, I think what he's saying is important to take note because there's a reason why Elizabeth Warren is not trying to regulate crypto. She's trying to kill it, right? That's why she's starting this whole like anti-crypto thing. And she's going to run on that platform, you know, um, in the next election to try to be president because she's going to try to shove central bank, currency, uh, central bank digital currencies down our throats. Absolutely, Andrew Cashflow. And check out this tweet we got from this weekend from a man named Robert Kennedy Jr. I also heard he's going to be running as a presidential candidate in America. He said the Fed just announced it will introduce its FedNow central bank payment system in this July. A CBDC tied to a digital ID and social credit score will allow the governments to freeze your assets or limit your spending approved from vendors if you fail to comply with arbitrary assets. Now, what's so interesting about that is we got a video from Fox News talking about central bank digital currencies 
as well as the fact that the FedNow system is the first step in that direction. Meanwhile, we are now only just a few weeks away from the Federal Reserve launching its new interbank payment system called FedNow. Joining me now with the implications of the system for the crypto market is Charlie Gasparino. Boiling the crypto industry, and I found this out after doing a, a hit on, on the Laura Ingram show, the Ingram angle last night, is this new Fed, new FedNow program. Um, and it's it's essentially a it's a first step to a digital payment system uh, that the Fed is going in, to institute. And what the, what a lot of people in the crypto industry believe it's sort of the backdoor way to take over all the sort of digitization of of payments, the blockchain technology which eliminates middlemen and have it all under the government control. So it's starting to become a huge issue in the crypto industry. Um, it, and it's weirdly becoming political. We should put up a tweet by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. As you know, he is, uh, he, he's running against Joe Biden, this, this, the son of Robert F. Kennedy, the, the famous senator, almost president, um, attorney general under his brother, John Kennedy. This is a fascinating th thing. The Fed just announced it will introduce its FedNow central bank digital currency in July. CB, CBDCs greasing, grease the slippery slope to financial slavery and political tyranny. Um, I, could, I know that's a little overheated here, but you know, if the, if the Fed is and the Treasury is getting into a central, a, a digital coin, a centralized way of payments through a, through a, a sort of blockchainish technology, you can see why people are are this is roiling people, and you know there's there's a huge debate going on in the crypto industry. Here's another interesting detail about this whole Fed now movement, uh, Gonzo, is the fact that the same people who put us in the situation we're in today are going to be receiving more control as we roll into this blockchain system. And for the everyday consumer, I think it's pretty simple to understand the value of your dollar has nonstop decreased over the last 70 years. When you look at the average price of a home in 1970, it was less than $10,000. And the reason that's so important is because the average salary in America was correlated to that price. Now, the reason that I'm saying that is because today, if you'd like to purchase a home, the average salary in America is about $48,000. The average home price over 10 times the value of an average salary. What does that mean to me? We're pricing the middle class out of these markets and we're centralizing real estate. Here we are centralizing the movement of currency through the central banks. And I see the exact same issue going on. So I know I said a lot there, Gonzo, and we're going to play the end of this, but what stuck out to you about this video? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh just want to make a quick comment about what you said. You're spot on. And it's not so much that the houses have gotten more expensive. It's that the dollar has been devalued. Right. So it's not like the, that the house, your house has changed or you put more money into your house or there's something different about your house. It's that the dollar has been devalued from all the printing. Right. And that's why we get that. Um, but as far as the Fed now, I haven't done the deep research in it to see the, the tech behind it. But it does appear that it's the beginning phases of a central bank digital currency. Now, I understand that I don't know the tech behind it, so I don't think it exactly works as the CBDC. But it is a central entity and it's run by the Fed, who you can already see the job that the Fed has done when it comes to controlling inflation. Right. And so why would we now trust them as a centralized entity with, uh, you know, a digital payment system? But they're going to roll it out. Like we say, it, it's coming regardless of what we want. Um, it's still going to come. 
Andrew, check this out as well as Brazil, Russia, Russia, India, and China, as well as South Africa overtake G7 nations and global GDP. This is the first time since 1971 that we've seen anybody pass G7 nations when it comes to global domestic product. And it's no coincidence. What I believe is happening here is the United States is handing the baton to China. And this is all part of an orchestrated plan to get us in a global financial system centered around not America, not one particular economy, but a basket of digital goods. And we're going to break it down after this video. Here we go. I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just telling you, this has a good chance of becoming, you know, put, putting crypto into the into the debate during the presidential elections. Clearly, the industry is going to come back with something. Uh, we should point out that that the Fed is sort of downplaying how big of a threat this is to crypto and how, how expansive it is. Uh, there is no digital coin right now. That is, is it, Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, has talked about that as being something in the future. Um, this thing is sort of limited. It's, you know, it, it, there's a limit on how much money you can actually transact in this thing. Uh, you know, Bitcoin, theoretically, you can do through, through its blockchain, you can do as much as you want. Uh, but it is a step of the government getting involved. And I'm telling you, you're going to be hearing a lot more from crypto enthusiasts about this going forward because it has all the earmarkings of the government getting into this business, competing with crypto as Gary Gensler and the, the, the enforcement wheels, Gary Gensler, the SEC chair, and the enforcement wheels of the, of the SEC are looking to put a lot of these companies out of business. List. So interesting times now for crypto. So Gonzo, I'm kicking it right back to you. Or Andrew Cashel, I'd actually love to start with you here. Guys, we got 398 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for starting your Monday with us. A couple of things that stuck out to me about this video in particular, Andrew Cashflow. Number one, the CBDC is going to be eliminating the middleman when it comes to dollars in this country. Number two, they're going to be placing limits on not only where you can spend your money, but how much money you can spend in a certain amount of time. And number three is the governments are wiping out the competition in this market through regulation and enforcement actions like Gary Gensler is bringing against Ripple today. But guys, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Johnny Crypto joining us in the background. Johnny, shout out to you. Thank you for making time for us this morning. I First of all, happy Easter. Hope you had a great weekend. Brief introduction here. How you feeling, my friend? Oh, man, it's been a busy, busy morning. That's for sure. Sorry I'm late, folks. I love you guys. Appreciate it. Hopefully everybody had a happy Easter, Hanukkah, whatever you guys celebrate this weekend. Hope you enjoyed it. Great to see everybody. I don't want to take up too much time. I'll just say good morning to all the war maniacs. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Let's hop into it. Thank you so much, Johnny. And Andrew Castle, I didn't forget. We're kicking our first question back to you. What stuck out to you most about what I just highlighted? We're eliminating the middleman. Governments are wiping out competition and they're bringing limits in on where and how you can spend your money. What has you most concerned and what are you optimistic about? You know, what I like about this interview was he was saying competing with crypto. And that's what I like because we need the competition. I mean, CDBC from a lot of people, they think it, it's the best we can do because we can control the people. However, crypto is also there to do something. And will it be all good with crypto? Yeah, we also, of course, we are crypto lovers and it is, everything is good. No, let the competition be there. And I'm sure that, that the best will win in this competition. But also, I'm sure that several payment systems can, can survive and can live next to each other. The dollar can live there, the digital dollar. Also, what the BRICS countries are doing, crypto, there will be several streams of money. And, it, and, and it's up to which, which, uh, uh, which country or which uh, uh, 
yeah, uh, yeah, country will will give the the most restrictions to crypto. And when I see what's happening, and and I'm, I say it often that that people are creative to find ways around restrictions, and and you know, and that they will eliminate uh, uh, the the middle class, that there will be limits, that they will be wiping out. It's all true, but as soon as you feel enough pain, you know, the solution is just at, at, at the end of the horizon. And, and that, that's my belief. I'm always positive. And uh, uh, I, maybe the, 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 the Fed now coin and the CDBCs will even accelerate development in alternative payment systems. That would be a great concept right there, Andrew. And that would be a positive aspect of this new movement. But guys, we got 414 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny Crypto, check out this regulatory move, this regulatory news out of Brad Garlinghouse. As what I just broke down is that the United States government is trying to crush crypto through regulation. Well, Brad Garlinghouse says that's impossible. We're just going to go overseas. So we're going to play this short clip here and go back to you here. Here we go. Most people outside the United States don't really care if the SEC is suing us. I'll tell you a very quick, funny story. I'll keep it short. I was in the Middle East last fall, and we were meeting with customers. I'm a, a, one of the Ripple team members who's based there. It's really early in the morning. My time zones are all screwed up. We're meeting the CEO of a payments company, and uh, you know, the, the employee from Team Ripple says, well, why don't you give an update on what's going on Ripple? And I start talking about the SEC. And after the meeting, he very delicately says to me, no one gives a shit. And his point was, if you're not in the United States, you know, the, the governments in Abu Dhabi, governments in Switzerland, Singapore, uh, UK, Japan, they provided the clarity how they view and categorize digital assets. And that's what I love about this market, Johnny Crypto. The United States cannot use their monopoly on the crypto market. But what gets me really excited about when I watch something like this is he's talking about a global shift, right? He's talking about how the SEC doesn't affect these global markets. And if, the, if they are going to label it a security, there's 40 payment corridors since the SEC lawsuit who have already started leveraging this technology, regardless of what happens with the SEC. So I'd love to hear, what does this video mean to you, Roto? Oh, man, my ribs hurt from laughing when he said that. That is fantastic. Pretty much, you know, <laughs> it's actually encouraging, that for, I'm sure, for him to hear it as well. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit outside the U.S. I mean, the SEC is a U.S. regulatory body, right? And so... The reality is you see them working outside the country. Basically, the U.S. has effectively pushed them outside when they decided to sue them. And Ripple could have laid down and died at that point. Or they did what, what, what we're happy that to see them do is like, all right, you don't want us to play in your sandbox. We'll go play in the other 220 country sandboxes or whatever there are out there. Uh, and so that there you go. Right. And that's what's awesome. The fact that they told them, hey, Brad, nobody gives a shit. I mean, that's pure validation. Like, OK. Let's start spreading our technology and, and and putting all our work and effort and energy in the other countries. And you've seen the result of that now. We've got, what, over 40 countries, I believe it is, that actually are going to be working with the, the Ripple system. So, attaboy. Andrew's always crushing it, by the way. I'm not surprised. Shout out right to Andrew Castle on this Monday right. morning. And, guys, what I love about this video right here before we kick it to Gonzo is check out what Brad Garlinghouse was saying back in 2018. For anyone who doesn't know, XRP was not created by Ripple. The currency existed and the company adopted the technology. Well, here's Brad Garlinghouse elaborating on that process. We're going to play this and go to Gonzo. Here we go. When XRP was created, this actually was created before Ripple existed. The creators of XRP decided to be 100 billion units because they saw it as a, rather than having a smaller number with a very high price, they saw it as something they wanted to be a 
I love that saying right there. A global reserve currency, not affected by value, but focused on moving money cross borders. Gonzo, I'd love to hear what it means to you, and then we'll continue with the show. Yeah, I mean, all you got to do is just look at Twitter or all the media that's going on with the whole world reserve currency dollar, D dollar, the de dollarization of the world reserve currency. And you can see that the rest of the world is moving on. Nobody cares about the lawsuit. The world doesn't care about what Gary Gensler is doing. They're going to continue to build, you know, Ripple is going to continue to build these partnerships around the world. Um, and these companies that are in the U.S., they're just going to go where they're treated better. If we don't get the clarity that they want, then they're just going to they're just going to move along. Right. We've looked at statistics before. Eighty percent of Bitcoin is held outside of the United States. And I would say that a lot of the cryptocurrencies are probably very similar statistics. Right. So regardless of what happens with the SEC, the, the rest of the world is going to continue to move on. And check out this tweet from David Schwartz back in 2017, as it's something he shouldn't have tweeted out if he knew the SEC was watching. But guys, we got 422 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And right now we're about to go over David Schwartz breaking down how Ripple's future revenue is directly tied to the price of XRP. But before we do that, here's the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and totals since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Guys, not only is it the smartest way to track your crypto, but when these crypto projects move, they move much more than people are anticipating. And we're showing you a little bit of evidence of that here. As one of our friends, Waters Above, put out, put out a picture comparing the XRP price chart to the Dogecoin price chart. And this I found so interesting because they're basically identical. And so how can we use this in the future? What XRP does may correlate to what some of these projects are pre-programmed to do. And if we do get a big price movement, the best thing you can do is take some profits, turn some of that crypto into cash and get ready for the bear market. But with that being said, guys, I'd love to get into this tweet right here of David Schwartz breaking down how XRP is directly tied to Ripple's revenue model. Ripple holds more than 60% of the XRP in existence, and XRP is Ripple's most valuable asset by far, said David Schwartz. Ripple's future revenue model is directly tied to the long-term price of XRP. XRP is what gives Ripple's revenue model the secret sauce that nobody else has. XRP is Ripple's secret sauce. Ripple can, honestly, let's pause it there, Johnny. This is back in 2017 before the lawsuit ever took place. And these are some very bold statements. The one tweet I want to focus on, I wish I could highlight it here. It says Ripple's future revenue model is directly tied to the long-term price of XRP. How seriously do you take that statement, Johnny? And what does it mean to you about the future price of this project? Well, I mean, like you said earlier, <laughs> I'm sure 
Swartz would like to have this tweet back if he could. I'm surprised he hasn't deleted it. Gary's uh, watching. Gary's watching. Yeah, I mean, I'm so. I mean, thank God the case is kind of. They've already submitted all their stuff, but <laughs> you know, you certainly can see how some of these things could be a little bit. Uh, well, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, <laughs> I'm sure Swartz is probably probably hoping that you know, wishing that that he hasn't said it and nobody saw it. So maybe we should delete it. Maybe we should, yeah, we should delete the screenshot. We'll yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, but, John, no, but it, it does make you, it does show you though, where their mindset was abs at the time uh, of when, when, you know, when they, when they were working on this technology. And I think it is really important that people don't realize XRP actually at one point was called open coin and it wasn't created by them. It was adopted by them. Uh, as he said, Jeb McCaleb came together with Chris Larson and they went and got this technology and, and they kind of expanded it. And that's kind of a little bit of the history of it behind it. And then they renamed it XRP once it was Ripple. So Ripple gave it the name, but, but it actually was called open coin and, and it was started way before Ripple ever was even in existence. Fascinating, Johnny. And the last thing I want to go back to you on right here is we played an article about how central bank digital currencies are inevitable. We are not advocates for this technology. And one of our listeners made a great comment. It said, we're rooting for central, we're rooting for Ripple to win, but we're not for central bank digital currencies. That's like an oxymoron. And I think he makes a great point as we're about to highlight how Ripple was just chosen for another central bank digital currency pilot, specifically gearing up to launch in Europe. And Andrew Castle, I hope you're ready. Central bank digital currencies are definitely coming to Europe before they land in the United States. And we're seeing the protests already begin. But Johnny Crypto, do you think it's an oxymoron to say we want Ripple to win, but we do not want central bank digital currencies? Uh, mute button, Rudd well, I mean, in terms of the definition, yes, but let's let's forget the definition right now. Let's talk about reality. Reality is this. CBDCs are coming. You ain't stopping it. OK. And we know what they do. So the question is, would you rather own something that's coming or not? That's that's the question you have to ask yourself, because either way, you ain't stopping the train. The train is here. You want to own the tracks. Or you don't want to own the tracks. That's the only difference. Either way you're going to be riding on the train. So for me, I look at it as, I don't care if it's an oxymoron. The reality is if XRP becomes a, the rails for some portion of, of the system, I don't think it'll be the whole entire rails for the whole entire world. It's too big of a place. It's too complex. Many systems will coexist. But if Ripple has, a, uh, if XRP has a piece of that, uh, those rails, then, then yeah, of course, that's what I want as an XRP holder. Why wouldn't I? I mean, the system's coming either way. So, yeah, I want to position myself, and we all do, right, so we can create some generational wealth off the system that's coming that you can't stop anyway. It's a, it's a no-brainer. So whether you call it oxymoron or not, and while, yes, we probably all agree with what he said, we don't want CBDCs, it doesn't matter what you want, like the rocks. It doesn't matter what you want. It's coming either way. So, yes, I'd rather have a piece of the rails than not have a piece of the rails, if you were to ask me personally, Andrew. Gonzo, I'd love to get your thoughts as well. But first, I'm just going to read a brief update on the project that Ripple was chosen for. So Ripple was awarded a platinum partner status by the DMI Symposium for 2023, a global summit on central bank digital currencies. So Ripple, a San Francisco-based tech company that builds ecosystems for global payments, becomes the first platinum partner of the Digital Monetary Institute Symposium for 2023. This event is crucial and this is a crucial meeting on central bank digital currencies, money transferring, regulation, blockchain uses in businesses, as well as several other issues. And Gonzo, our research didn't stop there. I went, I looked this up and I found out exactly what the objectives are 
for this meeting. So I'm just going to read this and kick it right back to you, my friend. The dialogue on the world finance and economic policy, specifically for the think tank that Ripple is on, is an independent think tank for central banking, economic policy, public investment, and providing a neutral platform for the public and private sector to engage worldwide. The global public investors are focused on $43 trillion in assets at the heart of this upgrade. So when you see Citibank talking about $5 trillion, they're talking about $40 trillion in central bank digital currencies over the next seven years. These numbers just get bigger by the article, Gonzo, but I'd love to hear what does this mean to you, Ripple being chosen for another central bank digital currency pilot? Yeah, you know, I, I think Johnny summarized it really uh, eloquently that, you know, central bank digital currencies are coming. So the only difference is, is can we invest in certain protocols so that um, we can make some life-changing money, right? And, and that's why, uh, you know, we like Ripple and we like XRP, but you're going to have other protocols that are building central bank digital currencies, right? XLM was doing the same thing. And as far as the Ripple case, you know, the reason we're rooting for Ripple is because we're looking for clarity. All you have to see is Operation Choke Point 2.0 and how there's this huge fight. You got the Wells Notice on Coinbase, and we're going to see even more kind of Wells Notices that are going to come out throughout this year. Um, and so we want Ripple to win so that we can get clarity, not just for XRP, but depending on how it goes down, we might get some clarity um, for the whole crypto market, right? Now you guys had Jeremy Hogan on and that's just going to depend on how that plays out. If we're just going to get clarity for Ripple and XRP or we're going to get clarity for the actual whole crypto market, but that's why we're rooting for them. Absolutely. And Andrew Cashflow, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. But for anybody who missed this, this is a 15 second clip explaining how cash is not the same as a CBDC. Hmm. And it's muted for me here. So give me one second. There we go. Is it going to be as private as cash? No. So a digital currency will never be as anonymous and as protecting of privacy in many respects uh, as cash. Well, Andrew, that's because it's not what it's built for. It is built for the banks and not for the people. And the Bank of England is also looking to take advantage of this new technology after the Bank of England's central bank has reportedly begun to hire workers to develop a digital currency. The Bank of England wants to create a team up to 30 individuals to oversee its CBDC project. And a team of 30, it seems like a quite a significant resource to focus on the digital sterling or what they're calling the digital pound. And Johnny Crypto, you're going to love the final quote within this article. As somebody at Quant, the chief product officer for Quant Network, took the time to chime in and he supports the idea of a CBDC. So the chief product officer at Quant supports, as he pointed out, the damage that restrictions on the money movement can have on CBDC usage. What he's basically explaining here is when you start to place restrictions on money, you affect the value. So if I've got a $100 bill, but it can only be spent on rent and groceries, that is not the same thing as $100 that can be spent anywhere. So obviously, Andrew, we talk about this almost every day. This is one of the biggest concerns we have with CBDCs. Not only do do they tell you where to spend your money, they tell you how quickly it needs to be spent. So how do you feel about Quant Network within this article, as well as the Bank of England launching a CBDC team? Uh, yeah, fantastic, of course. That, that, that's what they need to do. I mean, they are used to make lots of money. They are used to, to devaluate the money. And, and this is a new way to do it. I mean, imagine 
if you if the if there is a downtrend of devaluating money and it should stop at zero, that if, if there is no value, it should go through the zero line. And how do you do that? For example, with negative interest rates. You were talking about okay, if I have money, then I and I only can can buy groceries and pay rent. Yeah, but if you have too much money, they even charge you for, with negative interest rates. And you know, and that is the yeah, maybe the wet dream of every central banker. And then be also imagine why are central bankers on the position they are on? Because at least in Europe, they are chosen by the by the individual governments. Yeah, and that's why they are on that position. So who, who should they obey? Yeah, they are obeying the 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 the, the governments, and, and that, that's the whole thing. And and it, it, it is, is it inevitable? <laughs> Absolutely, it is inevitable. But it's up to us, you know, the people, how we handle this stuff, you know. And that's why we are here and uh, and educating the people about what's happening. Thank you, Andrew. And we got 444 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button, 444. That is perfect for this next interview we're about to play. As RSW, Kevin O'Leary was warning crypto investors, Binance has many of the same red flags that FTX had, and he breaks it down pretty well. So we're going to rebuttal his statements here. 43-second clip. Here we go. So Binance has the choice to make. They can remain in the shadows as a rogue entity, very profitable, and you have to commend ZZ for what he's built. But if he wants to play in the real world and in the world's largest market, the U.S., he's going to have to disclose who owns him and who is backing that token. And Binance has the same risk that FTX has. If there's a run on the bank of that token of $64 billion, they don't have that much cash. It'll be the same outcome. And that is the risk that that has right now. And frankly, regulators are tired of it. They don't want any more hearings. I was there. I talked to those senators. They're just pissed off. And they've had enough of this, and they're going to squart, start squeezing hands like lemons, and you're watching it happen with Binance. Are, Binance has to- are they pissed off, or are they being given an objective from the people who pay them, who write their paychecks, is what I meant to say, Gonzo. And I'd love to give you the open floor. How do you feel about Kevin O'Leary comparing Binance and that token to the FTX collapse we experienced just six months ago? Yeah, you know, it's not the same thing. You know, what we had with FTX was fraud. It was a criminal investigation. What they're doing with Binance... Uh, is a civil action, right? And, you know, we talked about it when you look at all the different things um, that, you know, they keep CZ. Some of it was like sensationalism stuff when that, like the terror stuff falling into like those old narratives. When you look at BNB, um, it has helped, it has held up significantly well in this bear market. And it's not fair to compare it to the FTT token because it's not just some exchange token that they use that gives you kind of discounts. It's part of the Binance smart chain. It's kind of like a copy of Ethereum. And I think that's why it's held up so strongly because it has a use case with the exchange and it has a use case within their blockchain, um, right? And so he's just doing his regular kind of rat snake weasel stuff, um, trying to compare the two when they're um, totally different. Now, I'm not saying that there couldn't be issues with Binance. It seems like They've been around for a very, very long time. And I wouldn't be surprised, just like USDT, where at the beginning, they were doing certain things when they were getting off the ground, where maybe they were commingling um, customer assets, which they've admitted to, with other assets. But as they made more money and they became more stable, they started to kind of bring in more of the KYC and becoming kind of more stable. Um, and so I think they're kind of a long way away from where they were at, like in 
you know, 2016, 2017, and 2018. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to get your thoughts as well. I'm just showing our listeners right now while you give your your take on the article. Check out what this token did during the last bull run, going from about $29 to a peak of $689. And this took place in just a couple of months. So if there's any reason to have an exit plan in this market, this is a perfect example, guys. If you didn't take profit, you sat there and took losses for the next two years. And this is why we're not going to make that mistake anymore. Take profits on the way up. That's all I have to say. Johnny, what's this article mean to you? Yeah, I agree with what Gonzo said. There's two totally different scenarios. You know, FTX was complete fraud. It was all built on a house of fake paper, right? There was no real money backing the FTX coin, whereas with Binance, this thing has been around for the, for God since the, almost the time that crypto was invented. So I think there's two different operations here. But what you have to look at here is the the solvency of the Binance coin and the liquidity piece of it. Because I think you're having two different scenarios. You had one scenario where something was complete fraud and it was very easy to pull the cards out from underneath it, right, and, bank, and, and kill it. On this one, this would be more like a bank run was, you know, fractional reserve does he have enough to cover kevin o'leary's right in that aspect that if enough companies or people went and really wanted to go and take finance down they could theoretically go do a bank run on the bnb coins so that is a possibility and the question is does he have does cz have enough to back it probably not i don't think so but when you look at the coin price i'll tell you what it sold up pretty well when you look at most coins that pull back we all know that most coins pull back 90 percent. and if you look at the chart you had up there it looks like we're sitting around 300. That's only about a 50% pullback from its all-time highs. So it actually withheld or withstood much better than a lot of the other coins, uh, you know, you could say cryptocurrencies that have over the past year, year and a half through this beer market, brutal beer market. It's uh, it's holding up pretty well. So we'll have to see. But if there's an all-out attack on it, can it survive? That's going to be the question. That's, that's one of the things to see. But... Uh, if I had a bet, I would imagine, I think Binance will pull through this. Binance US might be in trouble. They may have to shut that down. But Binance as a whole globally, I, I don't see them taking them down completely, in my opinion. But Thank again, Oops, sorry. but Abs, just with that said, that doesn't mean I'm saying leave your stuff on exchanges. I spent the past few weekends getting all my stuff off exchanges. Get your stuff on your wallets, hot wallets, cold wallets, whatever. Be safe. Don't leave your keys in somebody else's hands. Like Cashflow always says, not your keys, not your crypto, my friends. And we're going to break down a couple of key brand new details for the XRP lawsuit to close out this episode. But first, I want to remind our listeners of what this what controls the market today. That would be Bitcoin. And as Elizabeth Warren is leading an anti-crypto campaign across America, Bitcoin's price chart is gearing up for a massive historic move. And we're going to break that down after this video. Here we go. And 500 days after the Bitcoin having have been some of the most important times in Bitcoin history. And right now, we are 393 days away from the Bitcoin halving that will happen in April 2024, where the Bitcoin reward will go from 6.25 coins per block to 3.125 coins per block. Johnny, I just want to pause it for one second here and comment. The reason that that statistic is so important is in order for miners to remain profitable, the price of Bitcoin has to increase. And this is how the entire system was set up so that it could stay decentralized. As the price of XRP, as the price of Bitcoin goes up, the mining goes down. And there's a correlation there that we're going to continue to see. But I want to play the end of this clip and then we'll go back to the group here. Here we go. So we're less than 500 days away. And if we look at history in 2012, there was a run up 
prior to the halving, and then after, there was an explosion. And then again, in 2016, 500 days before the halving, there was a run-up in the Bitcoin price. And then after the halving, there was an explosion in the price of Bitcoin. And then again, in 2020, a run-up 500 days before the halving, and then after the halving, 500 days after, an explosion in the price of Bitcoin. Now, what I love about this chart is how simple it makes the illustration. You can visualize. I'm a visual learner, Gonzo. So looking at this, it's clear as day to me that once we get through this next about year and a half, 2024 onward is going to be extremely bullish. I know history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. And if we get any sort of correlation here, Bitcoin holders as well as altcoin holders should expect a profitable couple of years going forward. But Gonzo, before you give your take, we got 421 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And somebody commented, gasoline prices are on the rise. So should crypto. So should crypto. But Gonzo, love to get your thoughts. How do you feel about the Bitcoin correlation here and the fact that we are about to go in to another bull run? Yeah, you know, it's the four-year cycles. And, and until we deviate from that, um, they're still live and well. They, they don't exactly match. Like if you, if you listen to Waters, um, when you look at that chart, there, there are some differences because some of them were Shemitah years. Uh, this year or last year we had a Shemitah, now we're in Jubilee, right? Um, we know that we're in an automatic rally uh, leading into the eclipses. And that's exactly what happened in 2019, right? Where we had gone to 6,000, we went down to 3,000. Then we ran up into an automatic rally came down into the spring, which was the COVID crash. Uh, and then that's kind of where we're at right now, where we're kind of at this $28,000 level. We've been kind of moving sideways. I'm expecting that we're going to break 30K, go into 32K, and then hit the eclipses, roll over, like sell and way, walk away, whatever you want to call it. And then we're going to find kind of uh, the bottom. I don't think we're going to go as low as we think we're going to go, somewhere between 20 and 25,000. Uh, and then we hit kind of the end of the year, go into the having, and then after the having is when the real bull run kind of starts. Johnny Crypto, we're going to close this show out with an interesting thread from one of the people we interviewed last week. One of our friends, Jeremy Hogan, put out a great Twitter thread as to why XRP is not a security. And he breaks down a couple of key details specifically around investment contracts. The number one reason why XRP is not a security First, under the legislative definition of a security, XRP can only possibly fit under the definition of an investment contract. It is not a stock, bond, or any other asset that they label as a security. Even if the SEC concedes that this is an investment contract, an investment contract analysis is governed by the Howey test. The Howey test in this case is, a, uh, is an investment in a common enterprise with the expectation of profits from the efforts of others. It was in response to a lower court opinion that a speculative investment was required. And the last thing I want to read here, the Howey case did not focus on the contract part of the investment contract, but took it as a given that the contract was necessarily as it was responding to the lower court. Indeed, had just addressed the contract part to test before the judge. This is like almost not English here, guys. So I'm so sorry for all of our audio listeners out there. Very confusing to follow some of these tweets. But what he's trying to say here is XRP can only be considered an investment contract, Johnny. And XRP, there's no contract. So we're going to have a dispute there and we can talk about it. How do you feel about Jeremy Hogan's comments? And I also want to go over why this court case has been delayed so many times. Yeah, so we can hop into that. I also want to. I also do want to make sure we do talk about this Friday, guys. Are you ready for Friday? Because Friday we are going to be at the Freedom Conference. Hopefully, you've got your tickets. If you haven't gotten them, 
There's still a few left. Make sure you click in the link below. If you want to see all these beautiful faces to the right of me over here, all these beautiful guys, make sure you get your tickets. Come out. Not only will you learn a lot of stuff as we have tons of content to share with you guys, you're also going to get to have hallway conversations and hang out with all of us and dinner and chat and all that kind of good stuff. So I didn't mean to steal the momentum, but I did want to get that in as we're getting close. But getting back to the Jeremy case, um, you know, <clears throat> Jerry's Jeremy's a super smart guy. He knows the law. And basically, he's calling out there one of the four prongs. The Howie test says you have to have four prongs. One of them has to be an investment contract, meaning there's some agreement between you and the person you're buying it from. And frankly, when I bought my XRP from Kraken, I don't think I had an investment contract with Ripple telling me that I was going to gain some profit off of their work. I can tell you that I had no clue of that whatsoever. So <clears throat> I think... That's where one of the legs of this prong, uh, one of the prongs is very, very weak in this case is that there was that, that there is no existence of that contract. And that's where a lot of people, legal experts, think this thing's going to fall apart and why SEC is in trouble. But what's mind boggling to me is why we haven't got a ruling or more importantly, why the SEC hasn't come out and said, hey, you know what? Our case is weak. We better take the money and run. And, uh, and not, and, and, but they haven't. So, uh, that's, that's very interesting. And that's kind of why we're trying to figure out what's really going on here. Gonzo, I want to mention this as well. Both Ripple and the SEC had delayed the case by approximately 357 days with their motions for extra time. That doesn't include their motions to file excess pages, motions to file replies, motions to compel, or any other motion. So if you want to blame someone for how long this case has taken, look at the parties and not judge Torres. I think that's really cool. And I think it's a bold comment there. Gonzo, just to close out the show, what does it mean to you that Ripple and the SEC are the reason this case has been delayed? Yeah, I mean, we normally see that in, in these court cases, right? But um, I, I think it bodes well. Like, we can't, we're not mind readers, right? But, like, I think it bodes well that Judge Torres is taking her time and making sure that she she makes the right call, right? We, did, we didn't get the summary judgment within that two-week window that people were talking. I think now, what are we pushing? We could push 30 to 60 days. But I think the longer that it goes on, I, I think the better it leans towards, and I'm not an attorney, but I've seen criminal cases before, it leans towards better of what uh, a better decision for Ripple, right? Because it means that she's taking her time to kind of think this thing out and kind of writing out uh, her decision as opposed to making kind of a quick judgment. And I think Jeremy kind of touched on that when you guys kind of had him on the show. Absolutely, Gonzo. I'm going to close out this show for today. We're going to remind our listeners of what Ronald Reagan warned the American public of. I don't know when he was president, so sometime when he was president, but we're going to play this short clip and go back to the group here. Here we go. I'm very profoundly once said many years ago that if fascism ever comes to America, it'll come in the name of liberalism. What is fascism? Fascism is private ownership, private enterprise, but total government control and regulation. I'm just realizing there's there's background music in this, and I do not want to get flagged for that. So I can't play the whole clip. But what he said is fascism hides as people trying to protect you. Anybody who comes in and says, hey, relinquish a little bit of your freedom. We're going to provide a whole lot of safety. They are lying to you, and they're leading you down a very, very eerie path. Johnny, 30 seconds here. What does this clip mean to you, my friend? First of all, Abs was back in 1988, so you weren't even a thought of anybody's uh, desire, I think, at that point. You weren't even in diapers at that point, but I was around. I do remember him. I remember when he got shot, too. Um, but, yes, he brings up a very good point there. He was all about less government control, 
um, and 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 more about freedom. And you know, we've strived way, way from that at this point. But I know we don't have much time, so I'm going to leave it at that. As uh, it looks like we're, geez, we're right out of time uh, as we're. Another beautiful show, my friends, and I hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. But we're going to close this show out by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Johnny. And thank you to Andrew Cashflow himself. we got 406 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're reminding you right now, this Wednesday, Crypto Erie is going to be joining our show. Great friend, great, great guest to have on the channel. So I'm really excited for this episode. We're going to close it out the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go.